0: Act Two of The Tender Husband, or The Accomplished Fools, by Richard Steele. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act the Second, Scene, the Park. Enter Pounce and Captain Clarymont with his arm in a scarf.
1: "'You are now well enough instructed both in the aunt and niece to form your behaviour. "'But to talk with her apart is the great matter.' "'The antiquated virgin has a mighty affectation for youth, and is a great lover of men and money. "'One of these, at least, I am sure I can gratify her in, by turning her pence in the annuities, "'or the stocks of one of the companies.
2: "'Some way or other I'll find to entertain her, and engage you with the young lady.' since that is her ladyship's turn so busy and fine a gentleman as mr pounce must needs be in her good graces so shall you too but you must not be seen with me at
1: first meeting i'll dog him while you watch at a distance
0: exeunt enter aunt and niece was it not my
3: gallant that whistled so charmingly in the parlour before he went out this morning he's a most accomplished cavalier
4: come niece come you don't do well to make sport with your relations especially with a young gentleman that has so much kindness for you
3: kindness for me what a phrase is there to express the darts and flames the sights and languishes of an expecting lover
4: pray niece forbear this idle trash and talk like other people your cousin Humphrey will be true and hearty in what he says, and that's a great deal better than the talk and compliment of romances. Good, madam,
3: don't wound my ears with such expressions. Do you think I could ever love a man that's true and hearty? What a peasant like a Moor do these coarse words import? True and hearty, pray, aunt, endeavour a little at the embellishment of your style.
4: Alack a day, cousin Biddy! These idle romances have quite turned your head
3: how often must i desire you madam to lay aside that familiar name cousin biddy i never hear it without blushing did you ever meet with a heroine in those idle romances as you call them, that was termed biddy
4: ah cousin cousin these are mere vapours indeed nothing but vapours no the heroine has always something
3: soft and engaging in her name something that gives us a notion of the sweetness of her beauty and behaviour a name that glides through half a dozen tender syllables as elismonda clydamera didamia that runs upon vowels off the tongue not hissing through one's teeth or breaking them with consonants tis strange rudeness those familiar names they give us when there is aurelia zatorisa gloriana for people of condition Ancelia, Chloris, Corina,
4: Mopsa, for their maids and those of lower rank. Looky, Biddy, this is not to be supported. I know not where you learned this nicety, but I can tell you, forsooth, as much as you despise it. Your mother was a Bridget afore you and an excellent housewife.
3: Good, madam, don't upbraid me with my mother Bridget and an excellent housewife.
4: Yes i say she was and spent her time in better learning than you ever did not in reading of fights and battles of dwarfs and giants but in writing out receipts for broths possets caudles, and surfeit waters as became a good country gentlewoman my
3: mother and a bridget
4: yes niece i say again your mother my sister was a bridget the daughter of her mother Marjorie; of her mother cicely of her mother alice have you no mercy oh the barbarous genealogy of her mother winifred of her mother joan
3: since you will run on then i must needs tell you i am not satisfied with the point of my nativity many an infant has been placed in a cottage with obscure parents till by chance some ancient servant of the family has known it by its marks
4: you had best be searched that's like your calling the winds the fanning gales before i don't know how much company and the tree that was blown by it had forsooth a spirit imprisoned in the trunk of it ignorance then a cloud this morning had a flying dragon in it
3: what eyes had you that you could see nothing for my part i look upon it to be a prodigy and expect something extraordinary will happen to me before night but you have a gross relish of things. What noble descriptions and romances had been lost if the
4: writers had been persons of your goo? I wish the authors had been hanged, and their books burned, before you had seen them. Simplicity. A parcel of improbable lies. Indeed, madam, your raillery is coarse fit only to corrupt young girls and fill their heads with a thousand foolish dreams of i don't know what nay now madam you grow extravagant what i say is not to vex but advise you for your good what to burn phylloxies
3: Ardaxers, arundates and the rest of the heroic lovers and may take my country booby cousin humphrey for a husband
4: oh dear oh dear biddy Pray, good dear, learn to act and speak like the rest of the world. Come, come, you shall marry your cousin and live comfortably.
3: Live comfortably? What kind of life is that? A great heiress live comfortably. Pray, aunt, learn to raise your ideas. What is, I wonder, to live comfortably?
4: To live comfortably is to live with prudence and frugality, as we do in Lombard Street
3: as we do that's a fine life indeed with one servant of each sex let's see how many things our coachman is good for he rubs down his horses lays the cloth wets the knives and sometimes makes beds
4: a good servant should turn his hand to everything in a family
3: nay there's not a creature in our family that has not two or three different duties as john is butler footman, and coachman, so Mary is cook, laundress, and chambermaid.
4: Well, and do you laugh at that? No, not I, nor at
3: the coach-horses, though one has an easy trot for my uncle's riding, and t'other an
4: easy pace for your side-saddle. And so you jeer at the good management of your relations, do you?
3: No, I'm well satisfied that all the house are creatures of business but indeed was in hopes that my poor little lap-dog might have lived with me upon my fortune without an employment but my uncle threatens every day to make him a turnspit, that he too in his fear may help us to live
4: comfortably hark ye cousin biddy
3: i vow i'm out of countenance when our butler with his careful face drives us all stowed in a chariot drawn by one horse ambling and t'other trotting with his provisions behind for the family from Saturday night till Monday morning, bound for Hackney. Then we make a comfortable figure indeed.
4: So we do, and so will you always, if you marry your cousin Humphrey.
3: Name not the creature.
4: Creature? What, your own cousin, a creature? Oh,
3: let's be going. I see yonder another creature that does my uncle's law business, and has, I believe, made ready the deeds. Those barbarous deeds
4: what mr pounce a creature too nay now i'm sure you're ignorant you shall stay and you'll learn more wit from him in an hour than in a thousand of your foolish books in an age
0: enter pounce
4: your servant mr pounce
1: ladies i hope i don't interrupt any private discourse
4: not in the least sir
1: i should be loath to be esteemed one of those who think they have a privilege of mixing in all companies without any business but to bring forth a loud laugh or vain jest
0: Niece, aside
3: he talks with the mien and gravity of a in
1: madam i bought the other day at three and a half and sold at seven
4: then pray sir sell for me in time Niece, mind him he has an infinite deal of wit
1: "'This that I speak of was for you. "'I never neglect such opportunities to serve my friends.'
4: "'Indeed, Mr. Pounce, you are, I protest without flattery, "'the wittiest man in the world.'
1: "'I assure you, madam, I said last night, "'before a hundred head of citizens, "'that Mrs. Barsheba Chipkin was the most ingenious young lady in the liberties.'
4: "'Well, Mr. Pounce, you are so facetious.' but you are always among the great ones tis no wonder you have it niece
0: aside idle idle
1: but madam you know alderman grey goose he's a notable joking man well says he here is mrs washiwa's health she's my mistress
4: that man makes me split my sides with laughing he's such a wag
0: aside
4: mr pounce pretends grey goose said all this but i know tis his own wit for he's in love with me, pounce apart,
1: but madam, there's a certain affair I should communicate to you,
4: ay, tis certainly so, aside, he wants to break his
0: mind to me, Captain clarimont passing
1: oh Mr. clarimont Mr. Claremont ladies, pray, let me introduce this young gentleman. He's my friend, a youth of great virtue and goodness, for all
2: he's in a red coat.
4: If he's your friend, we need not doubt his virtue.
2: Ladies, you are taking the cool breath of the morning.
0: Nice. Aside.
4: A pretty phrase. That's the pleasantest time, this warm weather.
2: Oh, tis the season of the pearly dews and gentle zephyrs.
0: Nice.
1: Aside.
3: Ay, pray mind that again, aunt.
1: Sha'n't we repose ourselves on yonder seat? I love improving company, and to communicate
0: tis certainly so aside
4: he's in love with me and wants opportunity to tell me so
0: i don't care if we do aside he's a most ingenious man Excellent aunt and pounce
2: we enjoy here madam all the pretty landscapes of the country without the pains of going thither
0: art and nature
3: are in a rivalry or rather a confederacy to adorn this beauteous park with all the agreeable variety of water shade walks and air what can be more charming than these flowery lawns
2: or these gloomy shades
3: or these embroidered valleys
2: or that transparent stream
3: or these bowing branches on the banks of it that seem to admire their own beauty in the crystal mirror
2: i am surprised madam at the delicacy of your phrase can such expressions come from lombard street
3: alas sir what can be expected from an innocent virgin that has been immured almost one and twenty years from the conversation of mankind, under the care of an urgonda of an aunt?
2: Bless me, madam, how have you been abused? Many a lady before your age has had a hundred lances broken in her service, and as many dragons cut to pieces in honor of her.
0: Niece, aside. Oh, the
3: charming man!
2: Do you believe Pamela was one and twenty before she knew Musidorus?
0: Niece, aside i could hear him ever
2: a lady of your wit and beauty might have given occasion for a whole romance in folio before that age niece
0: aside
3: oh the powers who can it be oh youth unknown but let me in the first place know whom i talk to for sir i am wholly unacquainted with both your person and your history you seem indeed by your deportment and the distinguishing mark of your bravery which you bear to have been in conflict may i not know what cruel beauty obliged you to such adventures till she pitied you
0: captain clarymont aside
2: oh the pretty coxcomb oh blenheim blenheim oh cordelia cordelia
0: you mentioned the place of
3: battle i would fain hear an exact description of it our public papers are so defective they don't so much as tell us how the sun rose on that glorious day were there not a great many flights of vultures before the battle began
2: Oh, madam, they have eaten up half my acquaintance.
3: Certainly never birds of prey were so feasted. By report, they might have lived half a year on the very legs and arms of our troops left behind them.
2: Had we not fought near a wood, we should never have got legs enough to have come home upon. The joiner of the foot-guards has made his fortune by it.
3: I shall never forgive your general. He has put all my ancient heroes out of countenance. He has pulled down Cyrus and Alexander as much as Louis le Grand. But your own part in that action?
2: Only that slight hurt. For the astrologer said at my nativity, Nor fire nor sword, nor pike nor musket shall destroy this child. Let him but avoid fair eyes. But madam, mayn't I crave the name of her that has so captivated my heart?
3: I can't guess whom you mean by that description. But if you ask my name, I must confess, you put me upon revealing what I always keep as the greatest secret I have, for would you believe it, they have called me, I don't know how to own it, but they have called me, Bridget. 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 Spare my confusion, I beseech you, sir, and if you have occasion to mention me, let it be by Parthenissa, for that's the name I have assumed ever since I came to years of discretion.
2: The insupportable tyranny of parents, to fix names on helpless infants which they must blush at all their lives after. I don't think there's a surname in the world to match it.
3: No. What do you think of Tipkin?
2: Tipkin? Why, I think if I was a young lady that had it, I'd part with it immediately.
3: Pray, how would you get rid of it?
2: I'd change it for another. I could recommend to you three very pretty syllables. What do you think of Claremont?
3: Claremont! Claremont! (sighs) very well but what right have i to it
2: if you will give me leave i'll put you in possession of it by a very few words i can make it over to you and your children after you
3: oh fie whither are you running you know a lover should sigh in private and languish whole years before he reveals his passion he should retire into some solitary grove and make the woods and wild beasts his confidence you should have told it to the echo half a year before you had discovered it even to my handmaid And yet, besides, to talk to me of children, did you ever hear of a heroine with a big belly?
2: What can a lover do, madam, now the race of giants is extinct? Had I lived in those days, there had not been a mortal six foot high, but should have owned Parthenissa for the paragon of beauty, or measured his length on the ground. Parthenissa should have been heard by the brooks and deserts at midnight, the echoes burden and the rivers murmur.
3: That had been a golden age indeed. But see, my aunt has left her grave companion, and is coming toward us. I command you to leave me
2: thus orondatus when satyra dismissed him her presence threw himself at her feet and implored permission but to live
0: offering to kneel
3: and thus satyra raised him from the
4: earth permitting him to live and love
0: exit clarimont enter aunt
4: is not mr pounce's conversation very improving niece is not clarimont a very pretty name aunt He has so much prudence.
3: He has so much gallantry. So
4: sententious in his expressions. So polished in his language. All he says is, methinks, so like a sermon. All he speaks
3: savours of romance.
4: Romance, niece? Mr. Pounce, what savours of romance? No, I mean his friend, the accomplished
3: Mr. Claremont.
4: Fie, for one of your years to commend a young fellow.
3: One of my years is mightily governed by example. You did not dislike
4: Mr. Pounce. What, censorious, too? I find there is no trusting you out of the house. A moment's fresh air does but make you still the more in love with strangers, and despise your own relations.
3: I am certainly by the power of an enchantment placed among you, but i hope i this morning employed one to seek adventures
4: and break the charm vapours biddy indeed nothing but vapours cousin Humphrey shall break the charm name him
3: not call me still biddy rather than name that brute
0: exeunt aunt and niece enter captain Clarimont and pounce
2: a perfect quixote in petticoats i tell thee pounce she governs herself wholly by romance it has got into her very blood she starts by rule and blushes by example could i but have produced one instance of a lady's complying at first sight i should have gained her promise on the spot how am i bound to curse the cold constitutions of the philocleus and stateras i am undone for want of precedence i am sure i laboured hard to favour
1: your conferences and ply the old woman all the while with something that tickled either her vanity or her covetousness I considered all the stocks, old and new company, her own complexion and youth, partners for sword-blades, Chamber of London, banks for charity, and mine ventures, till she told me I had the repute of the most facetious man that ever came to Garraways. for you must know public knaves and stock-jobbers pass for wits at her end of the town,
2: as common cheats and games to do at yours.' I pity the drudgery you have gone through, but what's next to be done towards getting my pretty heroine? What should next be done in ordinary
1: method of things? You have seen her. The next regular approach is that you cannot subsist a
2: moment without sending forth musical complaints of your misfortune by way of serenade. I can nick you there, sir. I have a scribbling army friend that has writ a triumphant, rare, noisy song in honour of the late victory that will hit the nymph's fantastic to a hair. I'll get everything ready as fast as possible while you are playing upon the fort i will be within and observe what execution you do and give you intelligence accordingly you must have an eye upon mr humphrey while i feed the vanity of parthenissa for i am so experienced in these matters that i know none but coxcombs think to win a woman by any desert of their own no it must be done rather by complying with some prevailing humour of your mistress than exerting any good quality in yourself Tis not the lover's merit wins the field but to themselves alone the beauteous yield
0: End of Act 2